I like this picture because it reminds me of something I saw a couple of years ago and I saw it several times that month that I saw it. So I don't know if this, this picture in particular is real or fake with the two sons phenomenon, uh, but it's irrelevant for what I want to talk about because I saw this with my naked eye and I had a friend of mine over here and she saw it too. She saw it several times as well. What we saw was the sun was setting in the west as it usually did and in the north there was a light coming from over the horizon. I've never seen that in all the decades I've been alive but it was there was clearly a light source over the horizon in the north that was lighting up the sky at the same time it was sunset. The sun was almost down in the west and yet straight to the north there was some other light on the horizon. And I'm not talking about city lights that you can see off over the horizon. I'm talking about a massive light that was illuminating the whole horizon in the north. I want to talk a little bit about Planet X, Nibiru, or this planetary system. You know, in light of everything that's gone on this month with dozens and dozens of observatories, not just the one with the Blackhawk helicopters and the evacuations. Well, there were two of them that had the evacuations and all of that going on simultaneously. But in light of all that, I know that we tend to have a microwave mentality and our attention span is like two minutes and then it's on to the next interesting thing. But it's so, so important to develop a longer attention span, especially when you're talking about an object that may have a 3,600 year orbit or a 2,600 year orbit, or even at the very shortest durations, may, we may see the planetary objects, you know, affect Earth's atmosphere, you know, hundreds of years apart. So given the average lifespan of a human being, around 70 years, this isn't anything that any of us have seen in our lifetime, nor have the scientists. They've never seen anything like this. So to disregard all of the ancient records left by our ancestors, whether it's the Hopi and the Native Americans with the blue kachina, red kachina, whether it's the biblical text, whether it's the objects that appeared over Egypt, they said, first one, then two, then three, then four, these are events recorded in every culture. So since none of us have seen anything like this in our lifetime, none of the scientists alive today have seen anything like this in our lifetime, I think it would probably be who of us as a human civilization to actually listen to what our ancestors said they saw and how it affected the earth, these earth changes, these cataclysms. But I wanna start out with some actual footage caught by observatories and weather cameras and just people's cell phones all over the world. These are the things that have been happening leading up to the observatory closing before all the cameras went offline, before all of that. This is what we've been seeing for the last year or so, quite a bit more than that. Is this what it will look like? Is this how it will unfold as we approach the event horizon? Is this the beginning stages? Are these the things people see as the Passover of this celestial object or this constellation of celestial objects, for lack of a better word, Passover? And for all of my Christian brothers and sisters out there, I hope that wasn't lost on you. Passover, where they experienced darkness, where they experienced plagues, where they experienced water splitting at the time of the Passover. And as far as there being as another object in the heavens that they're not telling us about and all of that, there's been tons of pictures of the two suns. 
And I get it. There are a zillion pictures because people get excited about it. There are a zillion pictures that are just lens flares, you know, camera flares. And I have a giant telescope and I know I've seen other images of the stars and stuff where people are like, look at this anomaly and that anomaly. And I'm like, well, that's the telescope. And, I, you know, I don't think they're doing it on purpose or anything. But yeah, the vast majority of pictures online that people are claiming are Nibiru are, they really are lens flares because that's the way it works. And when I recorded the solar eclipse, August 21st of 2017, through my telescope with the solar lens on, yeah, there was a double of it. I recorded it on like six different devices simultaneously, even on my iPad, even on, I had everything going. I wanted to get all of the different views because I, you know, when the sun's eclipsed, that's a perfect time to see if there's anything around the sun. So I recorded it on many devices. And yeah, the one that I recorded through my telescope had a lens flare and it was an exact double of the eclipse. So I get it. All of the naysayers and the cynical critics and stuff, they do have a leg to stand on that the vast majority of these pictures being posted as Nibiru are lens flares. But that doesn't discount all of them. Just because there are people who make mistakes or whatever, or, or hoax on purpose or whatever, that doesn't discount the fact that there is legitimate evidence out there that there are people who have caught these objects on film. So these people who don't just take still shots, but take videos, you can prove that it's an actual object because they will pan their camera all over the sky and the object doesn't move. And that wouldn't happen if the lens itself is creating the lens flare. When the lens moves, the object moves. So that's one way. There are tons of pictures of these objects that are not, simply are not lens flares. But this one's a perfect example because if it was a lens flare and not something in the actual spatial dimension of our world, it wouldn't be behind anything. It would be created by the lens, which is in your hand. So it would be in front of everything in the picture. But take a look at this. Yeah, see, that's the lens flare over there. You see that, how it moves around as he moves the camera, jiggles the camera. The lens flare jiggles around. But this object is clearly behind the tree. It's not in the lens. Oh my gosh, yeah, so this giant one over here is the sun. Don't say that's, you know, that's the sun. He's not, he's not taping the sun, the big one, because they're both in the frame at the same time. There's the huge one over here. That's the sun. Okay, now this is a weather camera in Alaska. This was Friday the 13th in October of 2017. So that's what, about 11 months ago. And make note that this object moves from right here, you can barely see it right now, and the sun's on this side. Over three or four hours, it'll move about this far across our horizon. So there goes the sun. Here you can see the lens flares. They're moving in direct opposition to the sun. Okay, now as the sun starts to set over here, keep an eye, yeah, keep an eye right there. The object that was about here two or three hours ago, here it is. It's becoming really visible as the sun begins to set. 
and you can see the timestamp up here. So this took about four hours to move from about here across the horizon to here, and then it, it leaves frame. But you saw the lens flares. They were down here as the sun moved across. This is stationary weather camera. And they moved in direct opposition, just like they would out of frame as the sun moved out of frame over here. But this object, I believe that's a real object. Now, whether this is Planet X or Nibiru or one of the objects in this, this planetary system, that I don't know. This could be one of the lenses in the lens arrays that have been deployed in our atmosphere, which is fascinating, and I'll, I'll talk about that in just a minute. Now, here's a strange anomaly that was captured on the cameras in Switzerland. And you'll see, this is at timestamp 827, and it's gone by 832. And the reason why this is so interesting to me, well, for one, you can see it's almost like you're looking into a, I don't know, into like some sort of opening, some sort of dimensional opening. But what I think this might be, because of all of this lens flare activity all around it that is clearly obscuring whatever is behind here, I think this might be an artifact of the lens arrays that we've been talking about. If you watched that sun simulator video that I did, I, I talked about and I showed that flower petal sort of signature of the LEDs inside that solar simulator. But at the same time, there's another type of lens arrays that are deployed and they've been detected lots of times. In fact, people often mistake the lens arrays for these planets because they're sort of like a giant magnifying glass type of lens array. Again, it's a type of cloaking device that makes the objects behind them look invisible. Let me see if I can pull up a clip and show you what I'm talking about. And notice this, by bending light with these magnifying glass arrays, you can not only make the object invisible, like you can see here they have their hand behind it and it's completely invisible, but they bend the light around and you'll be able to see what is happening behind the object that is being hidden. So look at this. Here they just do the same thing with a spoon. Okay, so it's common knowledge that you can bend light with a, say, like a curved magnifying glass and create this invisibility effect. But the problem is using one lens is that the observer and the object being obscured have to stand still. They can't be moving. So to solve that problem, the scientists created these lens arrays. And if you want to search out the scientific documents and the patents and everything on that, it's called paraxial ray optics cloaking. And as always, I'll put all the links below. But this is essentially an example of what it would look like. So by deploying multiple lenses, they are able to cloak objects in motion as well as observers in motion. And the range of effectiveness is 15 degrees. So depending on how many of these devices you have deployed, the object remains cloaked within 15 degrees. So you do have a range of motion, but there are points where an object could slip out of the cloaking, you know, because you only have 15 degrees up, down, right, left, and then depending on how many of these devices are deployed. But they've created ways of doing it in tiny, tiny forms and in massive deployable into our atmosphere forms. This is reality. This isn't conspiracy. This is the world we live in. 
So when we see images like this pop up and it only pops up, you know, it's gone by the timestamp of 832, that could easily be explained by how these lens arrays work. Because they say if the object moves outside of 15 degrees outside of that center, then it can be visible. Then the cloaking device doesn't work perfectly. And this, looking at these, these are lens flares. This, this is what this is, obscuring something dark here. And if you listen to all of the whistleblower uh, videos that I've put up in the past, most of them have been flagged. I don't know, most of them are probably still up though. Uh, like Cody Snodgrass, he talks about these nested programs. So it's not just one thing. It's never just one thing. So they've got the chemtrails on top of that. Then they've got the solar simulator arrays that are making this, this light so bright as to obscure anything that might be close to the sun. But look at this, okay? But at this very same time, you can see after this disappears, you'll see that something is blocking these light rays on this side. There is a very sharp edge of something by 904. So within 30 minutes, there's something. Now, I don't know if this is part of the system, part of the lens array solar simulator system, or if this is that same object that was passing that slipped out of the lens array cloaking for a minute. And here we are about 30 minutes later, and it's coming out of the glare on this side which you wouldn't be able to see with the naked eye at all from the glare of the sun or the solar simulators plus the sun. See, it appears to be coming out here. But you can see here, it has a very crisp edge. But to me, this smacks of that lens array system perfectly. Then you couple that at the same time as the images that were recorded of this object going by the sun, going two different directions, so it's not the moon or anything, or two objects going by the sun uh, that were recorded the same exact time as that solar observatory was closed and evacuated and Black Hawk helicopters and all of that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it's, it's something to consider. And obviously not every observatory faces the same direction or is in the same country or any of that. So, you know, that's why like during the solar eclipse, it was seen in different places at different times all across the country. And in some countries there wasn't even a solar eclipse. So, uh, you know, or are some observatories infiltrated by the shadow government and some aren't? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think there's a chance that not every single observatory is in on the cover-up. You know, I, I don't know, but I know these images exist and I know on some NASA images, you know, that they released the ones they didn't close, nothing is shown, but you can see there's something went by the sun or a couple of things. And remember about eight months ago or so, we had all those mysterious SpaceX launches that were delivering a mystery payload and that, you know, Elon Musk gave the press conferences and he's like, well, mission successful, we deliver the payload, but nobody would say, you know, what it was. Well, I suspect it has something to do with the lens arrays. And there was a QAnon video I did about it where they had talked about that and I had theorized, is Elon Musk part of the White Hats? You know, but I don't know because everything's named Dragon this and all that. So I don't know. I don't know who's, who's on which side in any of this. But I do know that during that SpaceX Falcon 9 launch, there were multiple countries launching simultaneously. And I, I talk about that in this video. 
but anyway, here's two videos I put up on that if you're interested in discussing SpaceX and Elon Musk and their possible involvement with this lens array system or this cover-up. And it's at least slightly interesting that going along with the theory that Elon Musk had flipped sides and was working with the White Hats, that now all of a sudden they're making him out to be crazy, he's got to step down from his company, you know, all the same things. I think Elon is tired. He's worn out. He's obviously got some emotional problems. He's self-medicating. He's shown some disturbing signs of being volatile. See, they're already making him out to be crazy and stuff like that. And, and you know, it may just be a nervous breakdown. It may be nothing. I just find it interesting that this is the exact same thing that they do to, say, Donald Trump or to anybody who opposes them, or any whistleblower, or anything like that. Oh, you know, they start to destroy them in the media. Now, this was their golden child. Elon Musk was made out to be, oh, the super wonderful golden child. And then he's on the inside of this secret space program, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere this year, they just start to destroy him with this character assassination. And, um, you know, it's it makes you wonder, did he flip sides? And here's another anomaly. Remember this summer, July 24th, 2018, that there was like an unexpected eclipse. There was a total blackout day turned to night in Russia and Arctic Siberia for three hours. And of course, it was oh, nobody can figure it out, right? Nobody knows why the sun was eclipsed because there wasn't, you know, according to the standard model and anything that it could eclipse the sun, no, nothing was near it. There was no eclipse, right? And yet, something crossed in front of the sun and blacked it out for three hours in Arctic Siberia. Mr. MBB333 did a great report on it. I'll put his link below. And I think I'll play a couple seconds here. Nobody can seem to figure out exactly what happened. As Arctic Siberia turns completely dark for a period of three hours on July 20th, 2018. And this time of year, it's daylight 24-7. To kind of put things in perspective, it's just inside the Arctic Circle at around the 67 degree north latitude. So that's the area we're talking about. And this time of year, it does stay daylight all the time. Um, story goes on to say many reports came in of this phenomenon. Uh, people said they couldn't see a thing without switching their lights on. They took torches outside to walk around, but people really didn't feel comfortable outside as it was kind of an eerie feeling people are saying the air went dark and got darker and darker and they said but this time it was unlike anything that they'd ever seen before now the part of the articles that a lot of people failed to read or report on was that some residents say there was a flash of light registered by u.s satellites followed by unusual activity from the military Again, very reminiscent of Black Hawk helicopters coming into an observatory and shutting down a town, like we just saw this month. Okay, now I'm going to take this one step further and just give you some food for thought. I'm not going to go really deep into this, but I am going to put this out there. Now, speaking of these lens arrays, and I just showed you, when they make objects invisible or they eclipse objects, you can actually see the objects behind them. It doesn't just make a blot out or something. You can actually see the objects behind them as if you're seeing through them. Now this brings to mind the translucent moon phenomenon. And that is that throughout all of history, astronomers 
who have been watching the moon have reported being able to see through the moon. Under the standard model, they've taught us that this is a solid rock, so you should not be able to see through it. And the eclipse, when part of the moon is literally invisible, they tell us it's just because the earth is blocking out the sun. Well, the rock should still be there. You shouldn't be able to see through it if that's the case. But here's just a couple of reports going back hundreds of years. And this still happens. But I wanted to be sure and point out that this has always been the case. Which, like I said, I'm not going to go deep into right now. I'll leave that as a battle for another day. But suffice it to say, as I always do, we've been lied to about everything. And that there are species, humanoid, hybrid, Nephilim, interdimensional species that are technologically advanced way above us. And there are things in our skies that have been cloaked for long before we were born. And, you know, much of what we have been taught about the reality we live in is not the truth at all. But anyway, back to the translucent moon. Recorded in the Philosophical Transactions for 1794, it is stated, on March 7, 1794, four astronomers, three in Norwich and one in London, wrote in the Philosophical Transactions of the Royal Astronomical Society that they saw a star in the dark part of the moon, which had not then attained the first quadrature, and from the representations which are given, the star must have appeared very far advanced upon the disk. And here we go again, 50 or 60 years later. Sir James South of the Royal Observatory in Kensington wrote in a letter to the Times newspaper, April 7, 1848, that on the 15th of March, 1848, when the moon was seven and a half days old, I never saw her illumined disk so beautifully. On my first looking into the telescope, a star of about the seventh magnitude was some minutes of a degree distant from the moon's dark limb. I saw that its occultation by the moon was inevitable. The star, instead of disappearing the moment the moon's edge came in contact with it, apparently glided on the moon's dark face as if it had been seen through a transparent moon or as if a star were between me and the moon. I have seen a similar apparent projection several times. The cause of this phenomenon is involved in impenetrable mystery. I don't think it's impenetrable. I think we're on to something. Our atmosphere is nothing like we've been told. In the monthly notices of the Royal Astronomical Society for June 8, 1860, Thomas Gaunt stated that the occultation of Jupiter by the moon on the 24th of May, 1860, was seen with an achromatic of 3.3 inches aperture, 50 inches focus, the immersion with a power of 50, and the immersion with a power of 70. At the immersion, I could not see the dark limb of the moon until the planet appeared to touch it, and then only to the extent of the diameter of the planet. But what I was most struck with was the appearance on the moon as it passed over the planet. It appeared as though the planet was a dark object and glided onto the moon instead of behind it. And the appearance continued until the planet was hid, when I suddenly lost the dark limb of the moon altogether. I have personally also seen stars through the edge of the waxing and waning moon. It actually happens fairly often. If you are diligent and specifically observing for the phenomenon on starry nights, you can occasionally see it even with the naked eye. 
going along with those Elon Musk videos that I made talking about all during the SpaceX launch, talking about all of the, those multiple countries launching at the same day at the same time. Well, apparently, although we're in the dark, everybody else seems to know about it because look at every single one of these flags are an eclipsed sun. We say it's a crescent moon and star, but they know something. It's a star eclipsing either a moon or a sun. But what are the odds? I guess it's just a coincidence that all of these nations have the same exact logo. I guess it's just a coincidence that the Shriner Fez, the Masonic Lodge Shriner Fez hat, has the same exact eclipsed crescent moon and star or sun eclipsed by something with a star. Just a coincidence, I guess, same thing with this. Oh, it's just a sickle. That's not that same crescent and star. The Nazis had the black sun. Seems like we're the only ones who don't know. And of course we know when the moon is eclipsed, like when it's a partial moon, the part that the sun is not hitting is completely invisible. We don't see like a dark side and then this side's lit up. Like we don't see a rock and then there's like a dark gray object in our sky over here. No, it's like, it just, it appears you can see right through it. You see whatever's behind it, the blue sky. There's nothing blocking the blue sky. And when they talk about seeing these objects pass over the moon, they always only talk about on the dark side. None of the reports I've, I've discovered so far anyway have reported seeing the constellations through this part of the moon. When we say translucent moon, it's always through this part that they're telling us this is eclipsed. But yet, People can see star constellations there, or they can see planets there. Only on the dark side, though. They don't see the planets through this part of the moon, which to me lends more credibility towards some sort of lensing system that is covering something else that is eclipsing the moon. Then it does a secondary theory where people are saying these objects, the stars and stuff, are actually passing in front of the moon, which would be the localized uh, moon and localized sun theory. And don't get me wrong, absolutely no way in a million years do I believe that the sun is 93 million miles away. That, that's so ridiculous. So I absolutely do believe that the celestial mechanics that we see around us are something different than we've been told. But for the purposes of this and the evidence that I've found so far, I don't believe these objects are passing in front of the moon because they never pass in front of this part of the moon. They only seem to be seen through the part of the moon that is quote unquote eclipsed, which appears at times to be invisible, which would make scientific sense if a lensing system was covering up something that was going across the moon because then you would have the effect of seeing the constellations and the things that are behind the moon. So why is all of this important? It's important because I think a lot of people have, when they think about the end of the age and they read all of the prophecies about, yeah, there's gonna be wars and there's gonna be rumors of wars, there's gonna be earthquakes and all of this type of thing. I think they're underestimating the magnitude of this event that, this says that the Lord will make the earth waste and turn it upside down. That sounds like a pole shift. Isaiah 24, you go down to 19, 
It says, the earth is utterly broken down, moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and be removed from its place. So imagine earthquakes of that magnitude that shake the entire earth. Like we saw in the antediluvian world, which we call, you know, before Noah's flood, that this was an earth-wide cataclysm when this event takes place. And I've shown this once before, but imagine how during a regular earthquake, just a localized earthquake, how the water splashes out of the bathtub or will splash out of the pool. Imagine that on an earthwide scale. That's why tens of thousands of the servants of the Lord have been warning they're getting these prophetic dreams and visions of tsunamis on every coastline, every coastline. This isn't just coming to California or Puerto Rico or the East Coast tsunamis. This is going to be happening on all of the coastlines because the oceans are literally going to splash out of their basins. And even though you can see all of the powers that be, these elitists, these kings of the earth, the ruling class, the Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, even though they think that they're going to trust in themselves to save themselves, or they're going to trust in their peace treaty with these quote unquote alien races to save them, it's not going to save them. All of their bunkers and all of the resources they stole from us, you know, through taxes and everything to build themselves these exceedingly great underground cities, it's all for naught. God says it right here, when he, right when he's talking about the earth being moved and, and reeling about like a drunkard. He says right here about the kings of the earth. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones and the kings of the earth upon the earth and they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in a pit. That's what their underground bases are. It's their dungeon. I don't know if the magma is going to seal them in, or I don't know, but the, the word of God is clear. They shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered together in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison. So just because they all have matching flags and just because they all are quote unquote in the know, it's not going to save them. Nothing's going to save them. Nothing's going to save any of us except the Savior. And there's only one. His name is Jesus Christ.